want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7 and also to 2 Kings chapter 4. Luke chapter 7, and in fact, go down to verse 11. And then go to 2 Kings in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4. We're a note-taking church, and man, we're going to take what God says seriously, amen? So make sure you're taking good notes. Make sure you're following along in your scripture, because I want you to receive it. Second-hand revelation is good. First-hand revelation is life-changing. And so I want you to receive first-hand revelation as you read along and as you listen along for what the Lord has to speak for you today. I'm launching a new series entitled, I Am Significant. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm worth something. <laughs> I am significant. Significant means something of great value or worth. Something of great value or worth. Now, the Lord led me to two passages. First, he led me to Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. I want to read this story to you. It's how Jesus raises a widow's son. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. It was about uh, just right off the hill of Moriah, right outside of Jerusalem, 15 miles from Mount Carmel in the sea. And so his, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. So she had already lost her husband. Now she lost her only son. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bear, which means it's a place on the coffin. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better wake up. <laughs> the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. So Jesus raised the son from the dead and gave him to his mother. Okay, I want you to see this because it's going to play in later. And then they, they, they were all filled with awe and praised God. And they said this. This is key. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. This is where the Lord led me first. Now go with me to 2 uh, Kings chapter 4 and verse 8. This is the story of the Shunammite woman. Okay? This is another woman in the Bible who goes unnamed. And I just want to share something. Sometimes in our life we feel like, do we even matter? Does, any, does anyone even know my name? Is my life making a difference? I'm going to show you today, prove to you today, your life is changing history. Your life matters so much beyond what you could imagine that you can't even fully comprehend it. And so right here in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there. Some of your Bibles may say great woman or wealthy woman who urged him to stay for a meal. So she fed him. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. So it was multiple times. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put a table in it, a bed in it, a chair in it, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay where, uh, there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elijah came, he went up to his room, laid down there, and he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. He said, come here, woman. So he called her and stood before him. Elijah said to him, tell her you have gone to all of this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? I believe somebody, God's going to ask somebody today, what can I do for you? 
Then he says, can we speak on your behalf to the king or for the commander of the army? She replied, I have a, a, I have a home among my people. Everybody say, I'm fine. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I am fine. <laughs> You're fine. He said, okay, well, what can be done for this woman? What can we do for her? Gehazi said, you know what? She doesn't have a son, and she's married to an old man. I'm not going to go into all that, but she doesn't have a son. So then he says, then Elisha says, call her. So he called her a second time, and she stood in the doorway, the threshold. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. And, and it's difficult how she responds. She says, no, my Lord. She objected, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. I said, Lord, man, I, I really hear what you're saying in 2 Kings chapter 4, but I don't know how these go together. I get that the God uh, uh, raised a woman, Jesus raised a, a, a son from the dead and gave him to his mother. I see that Elijah raised a, a son from, the, later on he's going to raise the same son he gave her from the dead. He gave her to her, she was, he was birthed, he was full grown, and then he dies. And Elijah raises him from the dead. I said, how do these two tie together? And then I started to dig a little deeper. And all of a sudden I see that these two places are one and the same. That the same place that Elisha took a, a, spoke into a woman's heart, gave her a son, and raised him from the dead. Jesus steps into his ministry and does the exact same thing. Now, doesn't it make sense, that last scripture we read in Luke chapter 7, when they said, surely this is a great prophet of God. Because they knew what had happened there. Let me tell you, the reason why this is so important is because nothing's by chance. You aren't here by accident. You're here on purpose and right on time today because God's got a word for you. Jesus didn't just happen to be walking through the right town. Jesus didn't all of a sudden show, oh, oh there's a funeral going on. Didn't know that was going to happen. No, no, Jesus knew the appropriate time. Jesus knew the perfect moment to show up. Jesus knew the place where he should be. And Jesus is calling you into his perfect timing. And Jesus shows up and does something that's so simple for him, but yet so profound for them. He shows up and he does something that's so easy for him, but shows it how significant it is for them. Do you see the, the picture here that Jesus is painting for you? That he's saying, look. I'm here to do something that may be easy for me, but I'm here to show you that you're not forgotten. Do you think for a moment when she lost her husband, then she lost her son, where is God? Do you think she had a thought in her life that she, during this time, that she was wondering, okay, God, do, do I matter anymore? Am I important enough for you to come by? And Jesus shows up right on time. And Jesus shows up in both of their lives. He shows up for them and he shows up for his son. And the son is raised from the dead. And, and then he gives her, gives him to his mother. Come on, you see the picture here. And I want to show some truth. Look with me now back in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8. And I want to pull some truth out of this for our life today. And I want you to get ready to receive. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. The only way you can be a doer of the word is if you receive the word. And so God wants you to receive something today, so you got to really tune in. Are you ready? Now remember the story we read, uh, we read about the, the whole story, or the first part really, of this Shunammite woman. And what happens at the beginning? 
What, what, what does he say? He says, this is a great woman, a well-off woman, a well-to-do woman, a, a wealthy woman. The first thing I want you to hear today when it comes to understanding your significance is your worth does not come from your wealth. You need to understand your achievements don't define your anointing over your life. You can't sit here because if we want to live by the, the amount of, uh, in our bank account of how important we are, I'm telling you, you don't want to live that roller coaster. Somebody said amen. amen. Right? You don't want to live according to how much you have in your account to define how valuable you are. You're valuable when you don't accomplish anything. Your resume, your pedigree, your degree, you don't, that doesn't define your value in the kingdom. No, somebody's not hearing me. When you don't do anything, when you are at your worst, you're still valuable. Amen. When you've messed up completely and you're not accomplishing a single thing in your life, you still have value. You are not a human doing. You are a human being. And you, have, you are called to understand your worth and your value. They said, this is a great woman, but that didn't define the significance of what Elijah was going to do for her. Her wealth didn't define it. Her achievements, her pedigree, all that she had. It doesn't matter if you live in Country Club or if you live in Sunnyside. Hallelujah. I lived in Sunnyside. It doesn't matter if you've got a degree or you've got a GED. It doesn't matter where you come from, if your family's got some huge history or you've got nothing to stand on. God loves you and you just came through your parents. You didn't come from your parents. And it's not your wealth that defines your worth. It's the man who established you on this earth. And God birthed you, created you in your mother's womb, numbered the hairs on your head, numbered your days, and said, I love them at their worst. And I love them so much, I'm going to give my only son. I'm telling you, somebody's got to hear today. You don't need to live by works. You need to live by faith. You need to live that God loves you and God has established value on you, an intrinsic value that you can't understand completely. That he says, I love you more than you think. More than you'll ever know. And I want somebody to start seeing that today past what your, your failures are, past your achievements, past your accomplishments. Stop bringing your resume before the Lord and bring your heart. Okay, God, I, I, don't, need to, I don't need to show how much I've got. What I, God, I've been good. I've done this. I've taken care of my family. I've provided for them. Let me just talk to the men real quick. Well, we've got our men, uh, Camp Freedom men here, or return men here. Let me tell you, men, providing is more than money. Yeah, you can provide. You can provide. You can even have a sugar mama. You don't even need to work. I, I, that, that has nothing to do with it. She was a wealthy woman. Okay? Let's be real. Y'all can laugh, smile. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better start laughing. <laughs> I believe if you don't laugh at my jokes, you have deep sin in your life. Um, <laughs> let me tell you. It, look, it, it, it doesn't come from pro providing is so much more than money. You need to provide emotionally. You need to provide spiritually. You need to provide intellectually. You, you need to sharpen yourself. Now, the second thing that I want to point out is this. When you look at this passage, there's two little parts that happen that could easily be looked over. 
uh, when he calls her for the first time. He's like, look at this room, and we'll talk about that in a minute. He's like, oh, awesome. This is wonderful. Call her in here. And she comes in here, and what does he do? She comes into the room. Why don't you hear that first? He's got his servant right here, and he's right here. They're all three in the room. And he called, woman, get that woman over here. You ever tried that before? Let me just tell you. First lesson. This is an old saying. What do you tell a man who has a black eye? Nothing. He's already been told once. You don't do that. That's a lesson you learned one time. I don't know how he got away with it, but he did. He calls her in there, and he doesn't even acknowledge her. He speaks to his servant, and in the same room, won't even look at her. I, she just built him. Come on, somebody hear what I'm saying? She just built him a wing onto her house. And he's like, call the woman in here. And he, he's like, hey, ask her what we can do for her. Can we do anything for her? That's what he asked. And he didn't even look at her. They didn't even talk to her. Now, you could chalk it up to culture. You could. But it's not, it can't be because the second time he calls her in and says, call her in here. I want to help her conceive. And when he calls her in there, he talks to her face to face, eye to eye. So I think there's more than here. I think part culture and part challenge. And let me tell you the challenge when it comes to your significance. It's not living and understanding your value by how other people treat you. I think what he was doing is he was challenging her. Where is your, where is your heart at? He's not even looking at her and not even acknowledging her. And sometimes, let me tell you, we live like this. We, where our value is established by how other people treat us. Wow. It's, it's by what other people say to us. Wow. Have I been praised enough today? Come on, give me a good pat on the back. Right? Have I got... We, we live our life according to the praises of other people and the criticism of other people. But you can't live that way. That's not where your value comes from. Your value doesn't come from the words of others. It comes from the word above. And God established his word in you and loves you. And you don't need the opinions of other people. I have people come up to me, man. They'll tell me uh, uh, Easter Sunday, perfect example. They were like, did we just walk into Lakewood or did we walk into Coven or Covenant Church at the time? And they were telling, saying like, are you Joel Osteen? Did Joel Osteen just take the stage? I was like, praise God, man. All right, yes. I will take that compliment. I was like, the most well-known Christian in the world? I was like, I receive it. <laughs> I've had people walk up to me, oh, Pastor Lanny, T.D. Jakes is good, but you're great. And man, he, they, I've had all these like, man. And praise and, 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 and all, like, oh, man, and, and it feels good. But I'm telling you, you live off the praise, you're going to die off the criticism. Because then what happens is I had another guy, one of my first times covering for my father down in Lake Havasu. And it was a Sunday morning, and I, he was gone. I was 24. And I preached. Man, I thought I preached my heart out. I thought I did, I thought I did good. And I was like, man, awesome. And I preached on dreaming and imagination. And I'm like, everybody was smiling when they left. I'm like, I did good. And I walked off, and we're setting up and tearing out. So I'm tearing down. And this guy walks up to me. Man, I couldn't follow you. You were all over the page. You are crazy. I can't wait till your dad gets back. Man, I, I, you, were, you were sporadic. You were uh, erratic. You were all over. Uh, man, you're just crazy. You're crazy, man. You're crazy. He kept doing it. You're crazy. You're crazy, man. And I was like, okay. So I, I but I, I had my box that I'm, I'm holding a huge, heavy box. And I'm like listening to him rant about how terrible I did. And I was just destroyed. And I was like, okay, Dad, I failed. I texted my dad about how terrible I did and how I wasn't good and I don't want to do it again. I wanted to give up. And, and, and you know what? It was funny. My father said, Landon, that's not true. You're a man. He spoke life into me. 
And so I, I, I held my own. But what happened is, two weeks later, that man's picture was in the front page. And he was arrested and, and, and put in a sane asylum because he was crazy. Okay, the point being is this. A lot of times your haters and critics are doing what we teach in counseling called reflecting. And they're only saying to you what they really feel about themselves. You're not enough for me. You're not good enough for me. You're crazy. No, no, you crazy. No, I, I, hey, you got issues. No, you got issues. Hey, you're not, oh, well, this church isn't deep enough. Oh, you don't teach enough doctrine. Oh, man, it sounds like you need to read the Bible a little more. We don't need to go into any direction other than the direction of the Holy Spirit. And God is calling you out of darkness, out of the words of the enemy, and into his light. She didn't have to live by what Elijah treated her like. How many want to be done with that roller coaster? I've lived that roller coaster every day. Are they going to treat me right? Are they going to treat me bad? Are they going to treat me good? Are they going to treat me bad? And every time I'm living on this roller coaster, your value does not come from how others treat you. I, I love this series. Man, I'm just getting started. I'm not even really to the meat of this, but I'm telling you, we're going to see God open up the heavens during this series because if there's one thing the body of Christ needs, they need to know how valuable you are to God. We don't need to know how much we failed. We don't need to know how much we messed up. We need to know a God loves us in spite of everything that we've been through. You don't kick a man when he's down. You give him a hand. Look, you may have looked up at these guys up here who are worshiping God and think, man, how do they think they're better? They don't. At all. God loves every one of us in this room and everybody streaming online exactly the same. All, all, all you need to do, like some of these men have done, all of them have done, is say, God, I'm nothing without you. All good things come from the Father of heaven above. And the only reason I have good in me is because of him. Now let's really get into it. I'm going to preach now, okay? So when you get into this, you see all of a sudden she, she makes a room. She, she adds on room. She adds a wing onto her house. How many have ever done that? I, like I would, If somebody made a room for me, I'd be, hey, dude, I'll be over there all the time, man. That'd be great. Thank you very much. She makes a room for the prophet of God. The prophet of God simply means that he was the man who carried the word of God. So what she did is she made room for the word of God in her life. First it started off, you hearing me, by an invitation. And he would come every once in a while. And he would hear, she would hear the word every once in a while. And then all of a sudden it went from there to say, I, don't, I can't just live with just a little bit will do me. I need to invite God into my life. And I want him a part of my home. This is an early depiction of the body of Christ that was to come in the New Testament. Because it wasn't going to be in a synagogue anymore. It wasn't going to be in a temple anymore. It was going to be right in your home. And I pray today somebody starts making room in their home for God. Maybe you're making room in your schedule today. Let me tell you, when you start making room for God, God starts making room for you. And all of a sudden, she starts making room. She starts building. She puts a lamp and a table. She does it with excellence. And she's like, man, i got a perfect place for God in my life. I don't want God to just, I don't want to just hear God every once in a while on a weekend. I want God in my home. Come on, you want God in your home today? You want God in your life today, in your business today? I'm here to tell somebody, this is the word of the Holy Spirit directly for you. you got to start making room. Because when you start understanding the value of who he is in your life, you'll start getting a glimpse of the value of who you are. 
all of a sudden, she makes room for the prophet of God. And she starts making this room, and she starts adjusting, and she starts increasing her, I want you to hear this, she starts increasing her capacity to receive. So what she does now is goes from a little bit to now, I'm, I'm going to, it's trying to, it's, if I could have a glass right here, an eight ounce glass, it's like trying to pour 15 ounces. We always, because we do this, we have an eight ounce cup, and we're like, Lord, come on, pour it all on me. And instead of saying, God, increase me so that I can receive all that you have for me, we try to expect God to pour 15 ounces into an eight ounce glass. And he's saying, if you'll make more room, I will pour more out. But you got to make more room in your life for me. You got to adjust your schedule, church. You got to adjust your you got to adjust your calendar. Hey family, we're going to make time for God today in our home. Hey family, we're going to make time for the word in our home. And you'll start watching God increase your capacity to receive. Now, let me just share this with you. I was reading a, a business book earlier. Doug always makes me read business books. He's like, "Len, read this. Read this. Read this." <laughs> Half the time I fall asleep trying to read it because I don't understand it all. But I, I'm, I'm reading this book, and it talks about a few different things. One of the things was capacity. So it talks about uh, IQ, you know, that intellectual quotient. What that really means, IQ, your IQ is your capacity, the space that you have to work with. Okay? The second one is your EQ, your emotional quotient. Okay? Now, some of you, that's your space for your emotional capability. Uh, I'll, I'll paint a picture for you. You didn't know how selfish you were till you got married, right? You didn't know that they were crazy till you got married. And then they're angry for no reason, <laughs> right? You didn't know their emotional capacity because you, you connected on an intellectual and a physical level, but you didn't understand their capacity for their emotional stability. So I'm just, I'm just touching on this. Nobody get angry. Everybody look straight forward. Don't look at your spouse. Don't look at anybody around you right here. <laughs> But I'm telling you, it's all, it has to deal with capacity. The last one is adaptability, quoting. So it's your ability to adjust to change. Your ability to make change so that you can see change happen. So when you're able to adapt, okay, I don't just want God near my life. I want him in my life. You start adjusting your ability to adapt to change, and you start making room. And what you do is you increase your capacity and now your capacity to receive has changed, God turns around. He says, thanks for making room. What can I do for you? He starts walking up to you, Gene, and he says, Gene, man, how can I help you? Come on, how many want God to show up in their life like that and say, hey, what can I give you today? What do you want from me today? Anything you want, you name it, I want to give it to you. I'm out here, don't get nervous. Everybody breathe. But I, I'll tell you what, God has something great for you, but it happens by you starting off by saying, okay, man, let's make room for Jesus today. And all of a sudden, you see God start showing up. What do you want? What do you need? Where do you need that in your marriage? What do you need in your finances? What do you need in your family? And just like you responded, that's how I would respond. But you know how she responds? I'm fine. I'm okay. Oh, Pastor Land, that's a great message. People are getting saved. Lives are being changed. Oh, no, no, no. I don't need to receive. I'm fine. We come into church. How many love to give? I love to give. How many givers? Come on. How many givers do I got? I love giving. I know some of you. I'm going to call you out. You didn't raise your hand. I know you're a giver. We're, we're givers, and we love to give. We love seeing it on the people's face, how we give. But sometimes givers have a hard time receiving. 
We're so used to you. Uh, man, Pastor Lane, you keep doing that message. You keep preaching the way you do. Josh, you keep singing that worship, man. You guys keep seeing people save, reach our city, reach our state, build, 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 grow, grow, grow. And I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep blessing. But we never receive. I'm fine. I've got it all. See, I'm going I'm to paint the picture a little more. you got to follow me. So first we start off with her just saying, no, I'm good. Because she was wealthy. What do you give a person who has everything? Something they can't provide. You give them something only God can give. So Elijah said, she doesn't have a son? Call her in here. What, what once was barren will now give life. And he says, I'm going to help you conceive. I'm going to help you because she increased her ability to receive. God helps her conceive. See, when you start receiving from God, God helps you birth something new in your life. God's going to help birth something great in your life. But what she says is, no, no, God, no man of God, don't, don't lead your servant astray. Don't do that. Don't stir up that desire in me. Don't wake up expectation in me. It's too hard to step out and believe. I've been there. I've watched failure over and over and over again. I can't hope to dream anymore. It hurts too much. Because if I step out and believe, then that means I mean something to you. And I don't know how to see myself as worthy or valuable. I can't do it, God. Please don't. Don't stir up expectation in me. Don't stir up hope in me. Pastor Landon, no, don't speak inspiration over my life. I might hope again. I might have life again. Oh, no, I might think I'm worth something in this world. No, don't preach to me like that because I might actually believe in who I am. And she couldn't dare to walk out. Somebody, come on, I'm preaching, man. So somebody's going to hear this. Man, I'm looking at people that I see tremendous value on. And the enemy has tried to rob you of your confidence. The enemy has tried to rob you of your hope. The enemy has tried to rob you in your family. The enemy has tried to rob you in your finances and relationships. And I say, damn the devil, because he's not going to work today. And we're going to see God move in a powerful way. Sometimes you got to square your shoulders back and talk like the man of God you're called to be. You don't use your inside voice when you're speaking to the devil. Because he wants to tell you you're not worthy. He wants to tell you, no, no, don't go back to that church. No, 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 don't come every Sunday. You might actually change. You might actually see life happen in you. You might actually watch a miracle happen in your life. And she said, no, I can't. I can't hope anymore. It hurts. But the prophet sees beyond her pain and into her promise. And he says, no, you're going to have a baby. And by this time next year, you're going to have new life. Somebody needs to grab that word for you. By this time next year, you're going to see new life. You're going to see new change. You're going to see a whole new development in your family. You're going to see your marriage restored. You're going to see relationships healed. You're going to see God do something unbelievable. When I heard this message, I could barely read. I was weeping and crying because the father kept saying, Landon, you can do it. Landon, there's new life coming. Landon, I'm going to fulfill every word I've spoken. Landon, I love you even when you mess up. Landon, I love you even when you're jacked up. Landon, I love you. And God began to just feel it in me because let me just tell you, every preacher who gets on the podium should never speak a word that doesn't change them first. And God was speaking to me. Landon, hope again. Amen. Landon, have dreams again. 
Let it speak life again. And you know what? I'm going to close with this. I'm preaching too long. I'll tell you what. What happens after this is, is God blesses her. She has a baby. The baby grows up. She has a wonderful band. And this band runs to his father. My head, my head, my head. Dies in his father's arms. The mother runs to Elijah to get Elijah. Chasing him. The father is holding him. Let me just tell you, that man didn't, isn't going to fight to keep what he didn't believe to conceive. See, sometimes you're not going to help fight for things when you didn't believe to conceive those things. Mama fought. And mama took off to Elijah. No, 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 no. The child you gave me, you said, you told me, you promised me, you blessed me. No, no, you got to protect what you gave me. You got to uphold what you blessed me with. Lord, okay, God, come on, I'm going to make it real for somebody in a minute. God, you gave me this marriage. God, it's in need and you got to show up now. God, you gave me these children and they're going crazy right now. You're the one who's got to take care of them. God, my house is going to go into foreclosure. You gave me this home. You provide for this home. See, a lot of times we step up to God like some strange orphan just trying to beg something from the Lord when really the promises and the blessings of God are to those sons and daughters that he's called. And you need to step up like a daughter and a son and say, no, no, you gave this to me, God. You got to provide for it. You got to take care of it. Somebody's going to hear Jesus today. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Come on, I want you to begin to pray. Everybody in here, I just want you to pray. And I want you to begin to seek the Lord. Come on, out loud. Some of you know how to pray out loud. I want you to begin to pray. We're not a quiet church. A quiet church is a dying church. The word of God has gone forth. It's gone into your heart. It's gone into your soul. It's, it's, it's stirring in you. And the Lord is challenging you. Don't allow that barrenness to become comfortable in your life. It's time to conceive. Don't allow that pain to be the common practice in your life. Allow God's promise to come to life. You gotta allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe you heard today, you've been living off of your value, thinking that it comes from all of the things you own and you do and you've done. That other people are somehow Uh, more significant because they've accomplished more. Some of you ambitious young men and women, let me tell you, your significance does not come from what you do. It comes from the one who created you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, Lord, for every point and every part, God, Lord, that we're receiving right now. God, we're believing in you. And we're allowing the Holy Spirit, we're not refusing and stiff-arming the Holy Spirit like a prideful, stiff-necked believer. God, Lord, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to move. God, we rebuke pride in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the insecurity and the fear that would try to withhold us. God, Lord, we step out of that. We're not going to allow what others say about us to define our worth and our value. Not going to happen. Not today, devil. Not today. Your words have to fall flat. And what the word of God has spoken over us, somebody's going to start receiving their value and their worth from not others' words, but from his word in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we thank you, God, that somebody's going to make room for God today, here and online. You're going to to make room for the, the word of God in your life. And as you make room for him, he's going to make room for you. 
In Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, that somebody's going to conceive today. Come on, I want you to hear me. I want you to begin to pray. Somebody's going to conceive new life, new creativity, a new business, a new venture, a new opportunity. God's going to birth something new in you. you got to believe so that you can conceive. Now that you've made room for God, you just need to say, okay, God, I conceive it. God, I conceive the new life. And by this time next year, you're going to be holding that new life in your arms. You're going to be holding that new thing in your arms. And God's going to say, see, am I not faithful? Lord, we thank you, God. And you're going to uphold every blessing you've given us, our marriages, our children, our, our finances, our homes, our cars. Whatever you've blessed us with, you will uphold. You will protect and provide for it. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We receive the word of God in our life. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this house and online, I want to give an opportunity for anybody who, who's hearing this word today and you felt a stirring and you can't explain it. That stirring is Jesus. And you may have never dedicated your life to the Lord. It's real simple. You believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess it with your mouth that the same power that resurrected Jesus is now alive for you. You raised him from the dead just for me. You confess with your, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and that's when salvation comes. That's when peace comes. That's when wholeness takes place. That's when eternity is granted to you. And with no one looking around, I wanna give everybody an opportunity to dedicate or rededicate their life to the Lord. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Lord, we thank you, God, for the hands here and the hearts that are open here and online. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for it. And with every hand that's raised and heart that's open, I want you, I want you to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it all together. You're not going to pray it alone. We're going to pray it together. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. I'm forever yours. And I am saved. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise.